Today we have Christopher Puget, a speech language pathologist and a founding member of the assistive technology team for Loudoun County Public Schools. Chris is one of the co-hosts with Talking With Tech podcast, featuring interviews and conversation about augmentative and alternative communication. Chris is the author of the new assistive tech, Make Learning Awesome for All, and has co-authored several books, including Inclusive Learning 365, Ed Tech Strategies for Every Day of the Year, and The Practical and Fun Guide to Assistive Technology in Public Schools, and Technology Tools for Students with Autism. Chris has presented over 500 sessions at local, regional, state, national, and international events, including TEDx. We also have Rachel Maydell. She is a speech language pathologist and is also a speaker and podcast host with a focus on coaching parents and professionals on how to incorporate technology to best support speech language development and the use of augmentative alternative communication for children with complex communication needs she coaches clinicians, teachers, and parents on integrating technology in classrooms and at home to support communication. Welcome, Chris and Rachel. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much. We're so excited to be here, Jocelyn. Yeah, thank you so much. Can't wait to, to have this conversation. All right. So we're going to be talking a lot about um, autism and AC. So it seems like those are the two areas that you two both talk about a lot on your podcast. That's, that's accurate. Okay. I mean, a lot, we know that a lot of autistic students really benefit from AAC. We know that mm -hmm. from autistic adults too. So mm -hmm. we're definitely uh, in favor of supporting uh, communication. And um, we talk all about AAC all the time. It feels like Chris. Right. <laughs> really. I think we think about like uh, empowering anyone who might need uh, uh, AAC as a language support and use AAC to learn language. So I think it's even broader than autism. Um, and that's what the whole scope of the podcast is about, is really about AAC. So what what are some things that you feel that a generalist speech therapist that doesn't know much about AAC um, only got their one little brief class, not even a whole course, brief class on AAC? What do we need to know? <laughs> you mean like everybody, almost everybody. <laughs> yeah, like nobody exactly, got exactly. a lot of training. <laughs> Probably know a little bit more than, you know, the average person out there, but you know, I, what do I need to know? What do I need to know so that I can help my patient that um, just came in with a stroke and is not communicating at all, for example. All right. How about we bounce back and forth, Rachel? I'll go first. You go next. Yeah, let's volley this. First thing is there is uh, believe the students will someday learn language using that AAC. If you don't believe in the student or you don't think they can do it, then they won't do it because you're the one who's supposed to be believing in them and, and helping them um, learn how to do it. So let's go with that first right out of the gate. The end result is be able to say whatever you want to say, however you want to say it to whoever you want to say it to and know that they can do it with your support, with enough time, with enough effort, um, with the right supports and with your assistance, they can get there. How's that sound, Rachel? It sounds great. It's the most important thing. And it also is, you know, what is limiting uh, students to access 
you know, the technology they need in order to learn it, you know? So we have to give kids, um, and we talk a lot about kids. We also can talk about adults too. Um, you know, we, we need to give access to the technology. And the first step is believing that it's possible, right? Um, for any individual that needs AAC. Um, and so I think that that's a really good one. Um, I also think that we, we think about AAC as, okay, you know, the speech is so unintelligible and, and or non-existent, right? That's a great candidate for AAC. But we know that we have, I have lots of students on my caseload who have very clear, articulate speech capacity, um, but still are, you know, in need of AAC. Um, and so I feel like that's a kind of misconception is, oh, well, they have verbal speech. So why would they even need this tool? Um, we know that we can help support, uh, you know, individuals learning language and figuring out ways to help optimize their, their current communication. Um, and so I think that's like, just like something that people can't wrap their heads around. In fact, it's right in the name, Rachel. People call it AAC, but they forget that middle A. And they only think, well, if they're not speaking, then we need to do something with um, some sort of communication system. But the middle A, that augment piece, is all about you know using multiple options there for you. Since you brought up the technology, Rachel, I'm going to go off of that one for a second and say most of the AAC companies have been around for a while. These people know what they're doing. Don't get an AAC system and think that you need to change it. These people have researched it. They figured it out. They've listened to their, their clientele. They've made adjustments and updates. Um, learn the system. In the same way, a great analogy is there. You don't get a laptop and go, oh, the keyboard's all messed up. I got to change all the keys around on the keyboard. No, the keyboard is. You learned. You don't know why it says QWERTY, U-I-O. It just is, right? You learn that. Same thing with AAC. Don't feel like you need to change it. Just go with how it is. Learn it. Learn how why it is that way, and um, don't don't mess with it too much. Wow, uh, so much. I love it. Um, so the that you're talking about when you're talking about the ones that you don't need to change too much. You're talking about like the higher tech ones. Is that correct? Okay, because um, I I've only seen one Dynavox in my entire life. <laughs> so and I'm like I got to hold it. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I would say Jocelyn, most of the most of the high tech AAC and a lot of the clients that we work with, or the students we work with, or the people we work with, um, first, most AAC users use multiple systems, some sort of um, high tech thing, and then multiple other options. So sometimes they're on their phone, sometimes they're on their iPad, sometimes they might be using some sort of laminated tool. Right? There's multiple options, um, but we're we're strong advocates for using a robust language system. Rachel, how did I do? Great. Let's talk about what robust actually means because I feel like we should define that for people. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, things that fall under the umbrella of AAC. Um, you know, when we talk about robust language, we're typically talking about high-tech high speech generating devices um, that have the capacity for lots of different parts of speech, lots of different kinds of words. It's not just like a choice board that has like, you know, the different foods that you might want to eat or um, you do the different shows that you might want to watch. Um, you know, it has the capacity for lots of different kinds of speech. It has the capacity for grammatical and morphological changes. 
Um, you know, it has the capacity for a keyboard. Um, so we can only program so many things into an AAC system. We can't program every single word. Um, so we need to have the capacity to be able to type out words that aren't in there. Um, and so, you know, thinking about all the different components to what is robust, um, you know, that's a good litmus test is if I'm setting up an AAC system for an individual, um, does it have these capacities? Um, and if it doesn't, we should be questioning, you know, why? Why are we choosing a system then? Um, can we choose something that has more longevity? Oftentimes we're introducing AAC. We don't know if it's going to be used for a year or an individual's entire life. Um, so should we, we should assume that it's going to be an entire life. Um, so we need to have all the things in place that we would need eventually uh, to be able to communicate anything we want to say to anyone we want to say it to whenever we want to say it, right? That's the ultimate goal. Well, that makes me think of real language. I mean, we make up new words all the time, right? Slang words come up and, you know, example that came to my mind was YOLO. I mean, that's not a word that we knew five years ago. Exactly. And, and also think about how many people that you've met with names that you're like, I, you know, I, I don't know how to even pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, that's why we really need to teach literacy too, you know, alongside of this. Um, we can't always have words programmed. And so we need to teach the capacity uh, to actually type and to, you know, sound it out and figure out how I can type that on a keyboard um, so that, you know, the individuals we work with have access to all the words all the time. So good. Oh my goodness. I can tell you two are such a wealth of knowledge on this area. Um, Okay, so I am, I'm frequently working in small nursing homes or small schools. Um, I might be PRN. Uh, I have a patient that I think, or client or student, whichever, it doesn't really matter. They, I think they might qualify. I mean, I think they might be a good candidate for some sort of an AAC device. How do I get it to them? Like, uh, there's the funding, the, um, the distance for them to go to like a bigger city, um, is a lot of times not possible for that particular person. What do you do? Well, let's start with this in that you use the word candidate. Um, the way we sort of think about it is that if you think a student or a person needs AAC, then they, they need AAC. It's, uh, it's, it's the rarest of case that you would think, oh, I thought someone would need it and they don't, right? And in the, in the broader sense, we all use technology to communicate. So it's just what are some other pieces of technology this person could use to help with their communication system? So in that regard, there's a lot of different options out there. Like, so like, like Rachel was saying, even if there was a a light tech um, alphabet board that was made in a QWERTY keyboard, that's a start. That's something, right? Even if there's picture symbols in a nursing home, that's a start, right? Uh, Don't wait to start, start. Mm -hmm. And I also will add to that, uh, Chris, I feel like we get so hung up because AAC feels so vast and it is, it's like, there's new apps on the market. It feels like all the time and everything's changing and there's so much to know. Where do I even start? And that overwhelm is why people just freeze. And they're like, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I normally do. Cause like that feels scary. And I don't really know what else to do. And so it's just like, figure out like one thing that you can start trying. 
right? Like you don't have to know every single system out there. Um, you know, there's resources like AAC for the SLP is a really great Facebook group. Um, you can go in there and search it a keyword, right? It's like, okay, I have a aphasia and, you know, all the kind of profile potentially um, and see like what have, what have other people used? Okay, maybe that's a good launching off point. Like I'll explore this system. Or, you know, I know that in this facility, we know our, our, uh, our PRC rep. So we're going to, I'm going to reach out to them and see if there's a tool that, you know, might be helpful for this individual. Um, and so I feel like just start somewhere, start with what you know and build your skills over time. That's how we learn about things, right? That's how we do anything. Right. It's like, I start, you know, small and I start building my skills over time. Um, and you know, the wrong AAC and I'm putting that in air quotes is better than no AAC. And so really just starting with something and then tweaking and evolving and growing and learning over time can just help, you know, so much support the individuals that you're working with who have, you know, really complex communication needs. Mm -hmm. Whatever the issue is that you're finding yourself working through, it's very, very likely someone else has been there already. <laughs> so mm -hmm. reaching out via social media to ask those questions, and people are so, especially in this community, uh, AAC and SLP, that, that, that Venn diagram, people doing both there, um, are super, um, I find very generous with their time, want to share, understands that they were in a spot where they, and they might be in a spot again, where they have uh, someone they're working with, with us in a situation that they're not sure what to do. So there's this constant collaboration that's happening in the community to learn from one another. Uh, my aunt used to say, the only stupid question you, uh, the only stupid question is the one you don't ask. So ask the questions. <laughs> It's so intimidating for me sometimes, like in those big Facebook groups when I have a question and uh, I, that's happened to me a few times where I'm like, I know I'm a generalist. I'm coming from a place of no, no expertise. And I'm asking a question and I'm like, I feel like somebody's going to just tell me, you, you should know that. <laughs> you should. Well, that's why Jocelyn, I yeah. love the search feature because I'm yeah. sure someone else has probably asked if it's a more general question, I'm sure someone else has asked it. And so, you know, searching it and sometimes, sometimes someone else hasn't asked it. And I feel like as long as it's a question that like, hasn't been asked like 400 times, like people will be very generous in their responses. And I've done so much learning through just that search feature. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Somebody did talk about selective mutism in AAC, like interesting. Yeah. And now there's this article that they someone posted and now I'm going to go down that rabbit hole, you know? And so it's just like really, really helpful um, to just use that search feature in those Facebook groups. Oh yeah. You can see and you can go down super long and crazy rabbit trails on those. I've done that before. Story of my life. That's how I got into AAC. <laughs> Can I piggyback off of that for a second and say, so if you are scared of going down those rabbit holes and you're scared of reading all that text, or maybe you're just not a Facebook person for whatever reason, our podcast, I don't mean to toot our own horn, has been around for a while now. And we've talked about a lot of these concepts when it comes to AAC. Either Rachel and I have talked about it, or we've had a guest that has talked about it, or an AAC user themselves in lots of cases. So if you go to talkingwithtech.org slash episodes, you can do a search for the same search that Rachel is talking about there. And it'll bring up a list of results of episodes that you can go and listen to, uh, especially if you're uh, someone who's in the car a lot and you're driving from, <laughs> from place to place. You know, if you're in a rural location and you got to move around, uh, the podcast can be a good friend to you. 
Yes, that, that's definitely one of the things I, I recommend to any speech therapist that is in the car a lot podcast. There are so many of them and there's so many good ones out there. Uh, there's more than when I first started listening to podcasts, even on speech therapy and stuff like that. So I, I really like what you were saying earlier about using tech to help integrate speech and language development. Um, any thoughts on when your child is hyper-focused on the tech and not on using it as a communication device. I, I know if it depends on what kind of device you're using, of course, but any thoughts on that? This sounds like a story. This sounds like you have more information. Here I, to tell I do. Us. Okay. So my <laughs> three-year-old is obsessed with the iPad. Um, and she is also, um, we're not sure what's going on with her specifically. We think she's on the spectrum. We, we haven't gone through the formal testing or anything, but she has been getting speech therapy separately from myself for the last year. Um, and her speech has not developed and pro uh, progressed as, as well as we'd hoped. So uh, the school district um, speech therapist suggested that we start looking into LAMP specifically. Um, so that that's, a, which is a AAC app for the iPad is my understanding. And I'm thinking she's just going to want to play games on the iPad all the time instead of, but then am I, am I wrong and wanting to take it from her that, that conflict right there. And I'm like, and that's, I mean, that's way down the road. We're not there yet. We don't have the device yet, but I just see those problems. Yeah. Your mom brain is like, I know yes. exactly what's going to happen when I put this iPad in front of her. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. True. Yeah. It's true. And, then, and yeah. And that is something as speech therapists we need to consider as well is, you know, how well it will work at home. And yeah. And <laughs> I don't have those answers, <laughs> the answers for myself, let alone somebody else. All right. A couple quick strategies, thoughts there in general, right? So first thing is LAMP is an approach. LAMP Words for Life is an app. Everyone calls it LAMP, but sometimes people get confused with that. So just since we're recording, I'll say the app that you're talking about is called LAMP Words for Life. And that MP is for motor planning, which means you'd never move where the words are. They're always in the same spot, right? And you can build motor plans. And part of where the words are and, is, uh, and learning where the words are and what they mean is tied with the motor planning. Now, why that's important to the response here is that uh, some people might think, well, we'll put our AAC app on the same app that has the games and YouTube, and then they'll uh, close the AAC app and open up YouTube, or they'll close the AAC app and open up Minecraft or whatever the game is that they're playing, right? Mm -hmm. But, or maybe because if it's an iPad, we'll just shrink it and you can have both apps side by side or something like that. But in the case of this, or really any AAC, it's, it's rare that you'd want the AAC on that same app because you don't want to close down one app to talk about it, right? If I wanted to talk about a YouTube video, I could talk about a YouTube video. I wouldn't have to stop talking to watch the video and I wouldn't have to, um, I don't know, change out my system. So the same idea is here. We would be looking at a two-prong two approach here where um, this app, this app, in, sorry, this iPad in this case is your words and this app this iPad over here is where you play and you, you talk and you read books and you watch videos. How am I doing, Rachel? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like, how can we create a dedicated technology for communication? Because the reality is like kids will, of course, want to go play on YouTube all day if they have the opportunity to. Um, so making it a very clear distinction. Um, and that can oftentimes be really helpful. It's like we have the iPad that we can talk about YouTube videos 
And then we have actually have the iPad that's playing the YouTube video. Um, Cause those types of things are really motivating for kids, right? Like we can talk about the apps that we're playing and communicate about the YouTube videos that we're watching. And so I realize it's not always possible to have two separate devices, um, but if it is possible, that's optimal. Because again, we wanna make a clear distinction. This is your tool for talking and it's always out, it's always available and you know, it's, it's always the same. Um, and I think that that can go a long way in helping students um, learn like, oh, these are my words. Mm -hmm. Jocelyn, okay. with, yeah. with your daughter here, does, is it a, a situation where it's like, um, open, up an, uh, open up a video and close it, open up another video, close it, open up another video, close it. Or is it like, no, sustained attention for a little while, eventually gets bored, move on to the next thing. Which, which of those two sounds more like your daughter or am I, is there a different way to characterize she's kind it? Of, she's kind of both. Um, so she, she will stay in like the same app of like the videos or game or whatever she's doing, but she'll like restart the video over over again she'll get 30 seconds in and she'll restart it mm -hmm. I, I don't know yeah it, this sounds like something uh great to talk about with her like yeah. and to explore with her and 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 use this as an opportunity to uh elicit communication yeah. and when you first introduce lampfords for life first i should tell you when you first if you've never seen it before you're gonna hate it everybody first opens it up and they hate it because it because it's like the matrix you don't unless someone shows you how it's designed you get confused most parents most uh most slps are like this what is this yeah. but that's why i started off with these people know what they're doing. It's like a Sudoku puzzle. Like no one goes, they do a Sudoku puzzle. They get stuck. They go, oh, they must've printed this wrong. These idiots, they printed it in the paper <laughs> wrong. No, you're like, no, okay. There's something I'm not getting. Same thing with Lampwords for Life. So once that's introduced, um, what we want parents to do, communication partners to do is just use it themselves. So we're just going to we're going to talk about what I'm doing. I'm sitting here next to you. I'm watching. And then I'm going to talk about what you're doing. I see you're opening it. Oh, look, it's a dog in the video. I see it running. It is running. And you're just going to talk about that. Very low pressure um, for the student to do anything. And certainly you're not going to take it away and implement this instead because you'll create this negative. Uh, uh, right, right. AAC is this thing I have to do when I have to work. Uh, that's for the birds. I don't want to do that. You know, and you create this negative. So just fun, light, enjoyable, low pressure is a good way to introduce it to start. Yeah, I, I like that. So far, uh, she's only played with it two or three times at um at school and they just mentioned it to me this week. So I'm still wrapping my head around it a little bit. I had never heard of LAMP before, um, but the, the concept makes sense though. Like the motor planning aspect of it, it kind of makes some sense to me. I don't know. Um, it's I'm not really wanting to talk about LAMP specifically. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's relevant, I guess. Um, so what are you, <laughs> how about, um, and it's kind of what we were just talking about, but overcoming some of those challenges of the parents or teachers or staff or whoever they're around um, and not wanting to use the AAC or you consistent, consistently using AAC device. That's the million dollar question. <laughs> right. How do we get people to actually use this thing? Because <laughs> we know that if we, if our kids or any individual who's wanting to learn how to use AAC, if they don't see us use it and show them the power of it and how to navigate it and learn the motor plans and all those things, then we're not going to get very far. 
And so, you know, a lot of the work that Chris and I do and a lot of the things we talk about on the podcast and the number one issue I feel like speech language pathologists have with AAC is getting people to model and getting people to actually have it out. Um, you know, Chris and I have a two hour coaching course where we talk all about this and we talk about how do we get communication partners bought in and how do we get them doing what we know needs to happen in order for, you know, uh, individuals to make, uh, to have success with AAC. Um, and so the, the most important thing is figuring out how to create a goal for a communication partner that is achievable. Because oftentimes parents especially are like, okay, and, and even us SLPs, we're like model all the words all the time. Like, don't forget to model, 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 right. you know? And then what happens is we have parents who are just starting off with this new thing and they're like, okay, I have to model all the words all the time. And like, I don't even know where these words are to model or what to model. You know, it's like this overwhelming thing. Right. And so SLPs can help with that process by creating very, you know, simple, realistic goals with communication partners. Um, and that could be, you have to really take a communication partner where they're at. So if it's like, okay, they don't even have the device around. It's like first step, just have the device out every day at dinner, just have it out. Like that's it. Just start there. And then we can build slowly over time. Um, same thing in classroom settings. It's like, okay, teacher, like what's one routine where we think we could have the device out or, oh, the device is already with them all day. Great. What's one routine where you can model one word. Let's like get really good at that, right? We have to build habits with communication partners um, and then they feel successful. It's like, oh my gosh, Rachel's coming in and checking in with me. And guess what, Rachel? I modeled every single day this week, right? Um, instead of this kind of nebulous, like, okay, model all the words all the time or make sure you model during, you know, circle time or whatever, whatever vague thing we give as, you know, SLPs to communication partners, um, you know, if we can get really specific and strategic about, um, you know, what exactly we want them to do and work with them and ask them questions to figure out how to support them in that, um, that's how we can really start to get buy-in with AAC. I think the biggest shift for an SLP too is thinking about those communication partners, meaning um, I think a lot of people listening to this right now might be like, wait, Rachel's just saying, I'm, I sh that's a lot of work I'm putting in with the communication partner. Right. <laughs> it's more work with the communication partner than it is actually the student. <laughs> um, because the student themselves, we hear it all the time, Jocelyn, we hear all the time, oh, he never uses that thing, or she never uses it, they never use that thing. Yeah, well, how much are you using it? Well, okay, it's not as just simple as just saying to use it, I have to show you how to use it, and I have to ask you questions about how you used it. But Rachel gave a great example there when she was like, all right, what's the time where you can start modeling just one word, right, and asking the communication partner questions? So to get them to reflectively think about their own practices and get better at it, that really means spending a lot more time with the communication partner and a lot less time with the actual person. We actually thought this was going to be, and in some places it has, uh, the pandemic would be a great like jumping jumping off point for this, right? I mean, Jocelyn, you said your daughter's um, like under the age of four, right? So imagine opening up a Chromebook and trying to have therapy um, for someone whose uh, uh, attention is fleeting, you know, just because of their age, right? So wait a second, what if I worked with you as the parent during this time and we talked about your own skill development because that's the other big thing that people should know is that, especially for younger kids, um, they're going to have multiple teachers, they're gonna have multiple speech therapists over the years, but the family is likely going to stay the same. So focusing the intervention on those communication partners and getting them really comfortable with that AAC is gonna bring them so much farther than doing 
60 minutes a week of direct therapy. Yeah. Right. Right. And yeah, I, I really like the term uh, communication partners. Like, I mean, that's, that's going to bring them in, you know? So if you refer to the parent as I already feel better. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm coming from this as an SLP and as a mom, you know, in some ways. And like, I already feel better. I feel like I feel supported and I feel like I can do it now. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's really helpful. And where can we find more about you? You mentioned Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So check out the podcast at talkingwithtech.org. Uh, we have many, many, many episodes now. Uh, we put out the epi- one episode a week. Uh, usually the way that works is the first 15 to 20 minutes is Rachel and I having some sort of banter back and forth on some sort of topic related to AAC or something that's happening in our world. Uh, and then we roll into an interview. I say that's usually the case, but uh, sometimes we have recordings from live events we've done. And sometimes uh, we do what what's called small talk episodes where we've invited people who have been the guests on the podcast to come back and just give a, a seven minute or less strategy or something like that. We weave them all together into a small talks episode. So there's, there's a, a variety there. You never know what you're going to get every, every week. It's a little surprise. We have a Patreon that goes along with that uh, to support the team that we have. Rachel and I are the ones that are the hosts of the podcast, but we, uh, we have an audio engineer and a producer that do tons of work behind the scenes to make it sound great and look great and be awesome. Um, and so we want to pay them and podcasting, we don't get paid for it, right? So it's all volunteer through Patreon. Uh, and we have a nice Patreon following that also, uh, we put out content, um, bonus content for the Patreon crew. So you can check that out at patreon.com slash talking with tech. And let's see. And then for me, Oh, uh, you can check out Rachel over at rachelmadel.com. And then you can check out me over at chrisbouguet.com. We are sometimes presenting separately, but oftentimes you can find that we are presenting together. Like Rachel said, we do this coaching talk, really talking about how to build up the skills of communication partners. And then um, we do all sorts of stuff about how to design educational experiences with language at the heart of that. Great. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on. Thank you for, I'll, I'll say thank you from Rachel as well. 